you, Jesus. Jesus, you are our first love, our one and only. God, we just declare today that you are first place in our heart today, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for filling our hearts to overflowing, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. God, I think if those people came today empty, God, that you are here to fill them, God. You're filling with strength, God. You're giving, you're putting in grace for longevity, Father, to go the extra mile. God, to go where we need to go, to the next place, to a higher place. God, we thank you for your grace being poured out in this place today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, this place is filling. It is swelling. It is growing. God, it's getting bigger by your grace. By your grace, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that you're filling this place with fresh breath from heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I mean, it's refreshing to be around your first love, isn't it? It's refreshing, it's refreshing. And so God comes to refresh us with his presence. Amen. Well, my name is Ryan Carey. And uh, it's so good to see all of you here today. Um, thank you so much, worship team. That was amazing. I've, I've been in third world countries before with an acoustic guitar and a tambourine. This is so much better. <laughs> Amen. And someone that maybe couldn't carry a tune. But I'm so thankful for this team. I'm thankful for you. And I'm so glad, good to see you. Turn and greet one another. I just feel the goodness of God in here this morning. God is so good. Amen. Well, um, at this time, we're going to receive our offering. If you would um, like to um, give cash in the offering, just slip up your hand and the ushers can um, give you an offering envelope. So just slip up your hand and they can give you one of those. If you're writing out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. I mean, know God told Abraham that he was going to bless him, that he was going to make him great, and that he would be a blessing. And so God gives us in this time, an opportunity to be that blessing that we are called to be. So let's take our offering in our hand this morning, and let's thank God for the opportunity to give. Father, we thank you for the opportunity, God, to sow into your kingdom. God, you said that you would give seed to the sower. We just declare an abundance of seed in this place, Father, for each person. God, that they would have the, the abundance in their life, God, an overflow of finances, God, that they can sow into your kingdom, they can give to the work of God. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you can pass the offering containers. And I just have a couple announcements for you. Um, we have prayer Sunday mornings here at 9.15 in the mother's room, just off the dining room. If you want to make it here early, come to pray. That will be amazing. Also, ladies meet Thursday mornings here at the church to pray at 10 a.m. And um, today, uh, we're preparing for the Christmas tea. And so after the service, we'd like to um, stack the chairs on the, on the sidewalls here. And um, I think we can stack them about seven high or so. That would be great. Um, and then also... Uh, the ladies' Christmas tea, remember, um, that's coming up. I know there's a number of people that are going to be at it. And then if, if there's any men that would like to participate and help out and be involved, that's Saturday, um, this coming Saturday. And um, after the service, uh, Dave Drexler here in the, in the corner, he will be at the table in the lobby. If you have any questions or have a address change, 
or phone number, uh, you'd like to give us contact information, feel free to give that to him. And he can answer any question about the church, fitness center, thrift store, everything that the church has. And then um, in the lobby, or I mean the, in the hallway, some parents might be interested in this. These are curriculum that we used, like in the 80s, for the children's ministry. And when they were originally purchased, they were probably about between four and $500 for one of these. And so they're available if you have homeschool, if you're a mom at home or dad, you know, they're great devotions. There's object lessons, things in here you can do with your family. I'll encourage you, they're free to take. So um, I encourage you, just want to put these in the hands of people instead of them sitting on the shelf in storage. So, um, amen. Pastor Steve? Well, good morning. You guys made it. I'm so impressed with you guys. Wow. Um, you know, I used to have the, the motto that I never canceled church for anything. I mean, we would have like a blizzard where they're saying, do not go out of your house for any reason whatsoever. If you need to go to the doctor, die at home. You know, it was just something like that. And I would never cancel church. I would have church. The only problem, the older I got, one time I was laying underneath somebody's vehicle who had come to church. And they had gone into the ditch. And no one else showed up. I was the only one there to pull them out of the ditch. And I was trying to find a place to hook, because one time I pulled a guy's bumper off to pull him out of the dish. But, so I was trying to find a place. So I finally decided, you know what, this is not working. I mean, at some point, you know, uh, you have to cancel. Not, not, not today, but um, we, we do ha want your information if you give it to us, so that if we do have to cancel, we can let you know, so you don't come out here in, the, in Timbuktu among the, become, you know, among the children of the corn and um, come to church. Amen. Well, you're a good-looking bunch. It's so exciting to be here with you today. And, um, you know, it's, I, I, um, it's, it's the Christmas season. I want to say one more thing about our worship team. I, th I thought about this the other week. You know, we had a, a guy from Bethel Church, uh, Backland. What's his name? Steve, right? I should remember that. It's my name. But uh, <clears throat> Steve Backlund, he was here. And he's kind of on Bethel's... Uh, senior leadership team, and, and he came into our service a couple of years ago, and um, he heard our worship, and he said, wow, this is as good as Bethel. I said, you're not exaggerating, are you? He goes, no, it's really, it's amazing. So I just wanted you to know how blessed you guys are. Amen. So they do a tremendous job. We appreciate them. I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Um, this is December, as you know, and so I'm going to do a, a few messages on Christmas. And uh, I want to do um, not a typical Christmas message, because most of us have, have heard, he heard the details over and over again and the different uh, characters. But I want to talk more about why Jesus came. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, um, we kind of hear that why about Jesus and Christmas, and sometimes we can become so, uh, it's like familiarity. We hear it all the time, and it's like it's not special. It's not like, do you realize what just happened? God, the creator of everything, became one of us. I mean, that is like, if, you, if, you, if, that would, if somehow the Holy Spirit could just slap you, and you could grasp that concept, that would be amazing. 
Because you go, what? He became, in Hebrews chapter 2, it talks about how, um, you know, he did not take on him the nature of angels, even though angels fell just like man fell. But he took upon him the nature of man. He took on our nature. Why? In order to redeem us. He became one of us. And there's a lot of reasons why he did that, but primarily to redeem us. And that's an amazing thought when you think about it. And so I want to talk about why Jesus came. And, um, you know, like I've, you probably heard me read these verses in Hebrews chapter 1. I titled this message, by the way, He Did It on Purpose. You ever heard of that expression? You did that on purpose. He did it on purpose. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that God does nothing without purpose. You're here for a purpose. There's a reason for your existence. And it's not just to, you know, make money and buy a house and have a couple of cars and a garage and, and uh, you know, you know, I don't know. I should be careful. when I, I'm going to say something. Please don't take this wrong. But, you know, I've gone to funerals where, you know, they try to talk about the person that died and they, they're struggling to find, you know, find something significant about his life. And I was at this one and where they said he loved to drive around in his red pickup or something like that. I'm going, wow, really? Please, Trish, don't say that about me. Because <laughs> I have a red car. I've got a little red, old red sports car. And don't say. So remember that when I die, if you're still around when I die, don't say he loved to drive around his little red car, you know what I mean? But, you know, there's something that God is calling us to that's higher. There's a purpose for our existence. There's something that you can do that nobody else can do. There's somebody that you can reach that nobody else can reach. There's some part that you play that nobody else can play. Isn't that amazing? And that purpose is something that God is strategizing to move you into. And, um, and a lot of times what we think is that we're just here. You know, it's like, you know, like we're, we're like somebody from Mars or something that a spaceship dropped us off and we're just kind of walking around taking up space. But no, there's a divine purpose that God has for your life. And you are, you are Bethel. <laughs> special. That's what that meant. You're special. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're special. And so God came, you know, that verse that says in John 3, 16, it says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, perishing, we think always in an eternal sense, and that's, of course, true. But how many know you can live your life on this earth and just be a perishing? My life is just perishing. My life is just a wash and not ever discover purpose. I remember years ago, I heard a preacher say that the Lord spoke to him and said, many people live and die and never, never connect to the purpose God has for their lives. And Jesus came to connect us to purpose, Con came to connect us to purpose. And so God wants your life to count for eternity. In Hebrews chapter one, it says long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke in times to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, the book of Hebrews is a comparison book. He compares the old covenant with the new covenant. And the conclusion that he comes to is the new covenant is so much better. 
better covenant, better promises, better sacrifice, better high priest, better access. I mean, everything is better. And so he, he says that in, in the Old Testament, God spoke to us. I mean, it was God speaking. That's why the whole Old Testament is inspired. It is God speaking to us. But he's contrasting that with now in these last days, he has spoken unto us by his son. And I, I pointed this out to you that in the incarnation, which is when God became a man, God stepped out of eternity and became one of us. God stepped out of eternity and he appeared. And so when, when the disciples said, show us the father, Thomas said to Jesus, show us the father and it suffices. It's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You've seen me, you've seen the father. And so, you know, like in the Old Testament, God, God didn't, you know, lay it all out at the very beginning. He kind of spoke like we sang that song, Jaira. Some of you probably wonder, what's Jaira mean? It's, it's a, one of the covenant names for God. It's Jehovah Jaira. And it means that God will provide. Jehovah Jaira. God will provide. And so if you look at the names of God, God called himself by a certain, a bunch of certain names, but he, he slowly through time, it took hundreds of years and God would say, oh, by the way, I'm this too. I'm Jehovah this. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm Jehovah uh, Sitke Nu. I'm Jehovah, um, I can't remember, there's like seven of them. But anyways, and so it's God revealing himself to people slowly over time. Well, then in the new covenant, when Jesus came, that God that slowly revealed himself by bits and pieces throughout the Old Testament, that God stepped out of time and became a man like us. So we wonder, what's God like? Well, look at Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that's a very important point. That's why in Hebrews chapter 2, he says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest, it, lest, it, lest we drift away from it. So we must pay us closer attention. Why? Because God is speaking to us in, in the Son. And so, you know, I think that humans, we are afflicted by short-sightedness. You know, isn't it true that we kind of live in a culture that we want immediate gratification? We want immediate answers to our immediate questions. We, everything is quick now, fast. We're the information age. If you got a question, just Google it. Google it. I mean, I got encyclopedias. I'm just going to throw the dumb things away. I mean, because I, I mean, anything. I mean, in fact, I used to have all these study books, you know, uh, on uh, Hebrew words and Greek words. And I mean, huge ones, just piles of them. You should see when I would study, I'd have piles of them. So I'm always looking up Greek words. Now I don't look at any of them. Now I just go, I just take my phone. I go, what, what does this mean? And I just can access, I can access translations not hundreds, but many translations of the Bible. I can access any commentator, any, I can just, just quick because not, it's now. I want it now. I want it quick and I want it now. That's why when you go into any town, there's, except for Ashby, but there are fast food joints because we want it trashy. We want it taste good and we want it now, right? We don't want to wait. You know, if you, if you eat at fast food place, which my wife won't let us eat there, because I love McDonald's french fries myself. I mean, if you don't like McDonald's french fries, there's something wrong with you. There's something serious. I mean, I don't eat them because they're, very often because they're bad for you, but 
But have you ever eaten, you know, a few times at fast food restaurant, then you go to a regular restaurant, and you order, and you're going, what is taking so long? What are they doing in there? Are they butchering the cow? Come on, it's been five minutes. I mean, isn't that how you feel? Because we want it now, right? And so having to wait is not really something that we're very accustomed to. I, told, I, I, I um, heard this preacher one time saying, he goes, I, I think that they're going to make a, a restaurant, a fast food restaurant called Quickie Burgers. And where you just you order with your phone and you, never, you don't even stop. You just drive by and they, you open your window up and they just throw it, in the, throw it in the car window and hit you in the head. On the, so you don't even have to stop. I mean, that's quick. But um, we don't eat there, of course. We, but we want it now. We want it fast. But see, God has his own agenda and his own strategy. I want you to look at another verse. Look at Galatians 4. This is a Christmas verse. So God works according to purpose. God works according to a, an agenda design. And in Galatians chapter 4, he says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, everybody say sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when my wife and I, we went to Israel one time and we were on an elevator with a, a, a traditional or Orthodox Jews. And, you know, because they had the little curls and the black hat. And, and um, all of a sudden I heard, and they were speaking Hebrew, and I heard the little boy say to his dad, Abba. And I looked at him, I go, I wanted to say, did you just say Abba? And so, because I've always heard that Abba means daddy. It's like an affectionate word of closeness, Abba. And this little boy, he looked at his daddy and said, Abba. And so it says that God sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, or daddy. It's an affectionate word, father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ, through Christ. And so here it says that God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts where we cry, Abba, Father. But, but I want you to notice that first line there where it says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. You know, I think about that verse. With prophecy, there's always a what and there's, a, and, and there's a manner of time or there's timing involved. There's a what. In other words, what does God want to do? And also there's a timing. Because I ask the question, why did it take God so long? I mean, wasn't the human race in a mess for years and years and centuries before Christ came? But it says when the fullness of the time was come. And it's interesting what because I think, I think some of it has to do with preparing people to receive what he wants to do. Yeah. Preparing people to receive what he wants to do. You know, there's an interesting verse in John. I, I thought of this verse, so I put it down there. John chapter 3, it's a story of Lazarus. And it says, so Lazarus is sick. And so they send word to Jesus uh, asking him to come. 
And look at verse 3, John chapter 3, John chapter 11, verse 3. It says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. You, him, him who you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This, I can't read that. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved, now listen to this, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now listen to this next phrase. This does not fit. So Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Okay, all right, got it. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Come on! That doesn't fit, does it? Does that, am I the only one that, that, that doesn't fit too? I mean, I'm the only one? Okay, so, I mean, doesn't it seem Jesus loved Martha and Mary and her sister Mary, which is Mary, and Lazarus, so when he heard he was sick, he came immediately. Isn't that what you'd normally think? But he waits two days. Like, come on. Why didn't you come immediately? Have you ever, have you ever asked God, have you ever asked God, why God, why? I tell you, I, I, I mentally was making a list that, that when I get to heaven and see Jesus, I'm going to go, why? 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 Do you guys have a list? Or you guys, you understand all the mysteries of the ages and you're wondering why you're sitting there listening to me. Is that, is that where you're at? I'm like, I'm like, why, God? Why? Do you ever do that? Here's the other one. Here's the other question I have is, when, God? Come on. When, God, when? And then the other question I ask is, how, God, how? So why, God, why? Why did this happen, Lord? I don't get it. And sometimes, you know, he'll, he might tell you, but so, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of mystery in life. How many know that's true? There's a lot of mystery. And you don't have to understand everything to trust. We think that we have to understand everything to trust. And that's not necessarily true. You don't have to understand everything to trust. In fact, many times I've said, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't think this was right, but I trust you. Right? And so... And so I don't understand that verse. I mean, ultimately, how many know that it turned out good because Lazarus was dead for four, four days. And they didn't have like the embalming things that we have. And so they would do their funerals pretty quick. Like even in, in Middle East right now, I think, I think you have to bury them the next day because it's kind of a tradition. So they, they got him in the grave and he'd been in the grave. And even when Jesus was told to roll away the stone, they said, Don't, Lord, you know, it stinks by now. And so ultimately, now this is a good point, ultimately it turned out well, didn't it? It's just that they went through a lot of stuff before it turned out well. See, there's a lot of things involved in that phrase. Put that verse back up about in the fullness of time. There's a lot, of, there's a lot involved in that phrase, in the fullness of time. Because I believe that what God does is that he prepares us for what he has prepared for us. He prepares us for what he's prepared for us. And sometimes we can, we can, 
uh, how do you say that, draw out the preparation period by not responding right. But he prepares. Right now, you're being prepared for what he's prepared for you right now. You're in the process. You might be circling a mountain that you've been circling for a long time, but eventually you're going to get it and move on. Right? But God prepares us. I thought that would be more profound to you, what he's prepared for us. Look at Exodus chapter 13. Here's an interesting verse. It says, when Pharaoh let, verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, the children of Israel, God did not lead them by the way of the, of the land of the Philistine, although that was near. That was the quickest way. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. Listen to this next phrase. Equipped for battle. So it's weird. It's like they're equipped for battle, but God led them away from battle. Why did God lead them away from battle? Because he was afraid when they tasted battle, they would turn back and want to go back to Egypt. They weren't. So what is that telling you? They weren't ready. They weren't ready. Their fullness of time had not come yet because they weren't ready. And so God prepares us for what he has for us. I remember years ago, um, years ago, God spoke to me and said, I brought you here and I put you, I kept you in a safe place because I didn't want to lose you. When I heard that, it was one of those moments where I was meditating and I heard that so clearly. I brought you here and kept you in a safe place because I didn't want to lose you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not a crier, although once in a while I do break down. But this, I broke down this time. I'm, I'm bawling. I'm going, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm totally moved by this, what God said to me. I brought you here, kept you in a safe place. I didn't want to lose you. And I was so moved by that that I cried, and, and uh, it was really a touching moment. I thought, wow, I am special. But then later I started thinking about that. I thought, wait a second. Does that mean I'm such a big wuss <laughs> that I can't take any battles, so he's kind of keeping me in the back lines? You, you, can, you can do KP duty, you know, Steve, do KP duty. <laughs> Because I don't want you out there fighting, you might get killed. You know, you know what I mean? I started thinking, maybe that wasn't a compliment. But God prepares us for, what he, for that which he has for us. Amen. And so when the fullness of the time came, Christ, Christ came on the scene. I want you to turn to another verse over here. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. This is a really well-known verse. So God does, God does nothing without purpose. God, there's a strategy in what God is doing in your life. There's a strategy that he has. He's bringing you to a point of usefulness in his kingdom. He's, there's something that you can do that no one else can do. There's someone that you can reach that no one else can reach. There's a function that you have that no one else can meet to take that function. Just like, you know, Paul made that clear that we are the body of Christ. We are members in particular. My finger has a, this finger has a function that 
no, the other fingers don't have. Right? And so you're some body part. I remember I said that one time. You're some body part. And one guy came up to me and said, I'm a boil. I won't tell you where he was, where the boil was on the body of Christ. I said, no, you're not. There is a part that you play, and God, God works to prepare us for that which he has for us. Here's a really well-known verse. How many of you ever heard this verse? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. Notice, notice the word purpose. There's a purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. One of the purposes God has is he wants you to look like Jesus when he's done. In character and actions, he wants you to look like Jesus. That's why he sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, to bring you into sonship, to bring you into full sonship. So this verse is commonly used, but he didn't say that all things are good. How many know that's true? He didn't say, and we know that all things in our life are good. He didn't say that. Because some things aren't good. Some things are bad. Some things that happen are bad. Some things that happen are evil. They're terrible. He said, but all things work together for good. Now, I should say this. That there are, <clears throat> there are conditions to this, this verse. There's three conditions I see in this verse. Or to this verse working. The first one is found in Romans 8, 26 and 27, where he talks about the Holy Spirit-inspired intercession. He said the Holy Spirit helps us pray when we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the first thing is, we should pray over stuff that happens in our lives. James says, when you're going through difficulty, pray. Pray, pray over stuff that's happening in your life. Pray and trust the Holy Spirit to help you pray the right kind of pray, prayer. Because everything that happens is not good and it's not come, doesn't come from God. I mean, I know there's a, lot of, there's a teaching that goes around that says that God's in control of everything. And I'm not saying everything's out of control, but there's a teaching that goes around that God's in control of everything. Even if you bend down, to tie your shoe, God ordained that to happen. And I just want to say that's piled, PhD, piled higher and deeper. It's not true. Because there is a devil and there's evil in the world and God is not the author of it. And so evil does happen. And so we should pray over things in our lives. We should pray over situations. We should pray over every situation that happens in our lives. We should pray over it. Because it doesn't automatically turn out for good. There's conditions to this verse. One is prayer. The second is that we're a lover of God. Sometimes when things, we could reassess, am I really on track with God? Am I a lover of God? Because it says things work out for good to those that love God. Are you a lover of God? Are you putting God first? This may be a time for you to adjust your affections and adjust your priorities in your life. That's the second thing. And then the third thing is, are you pursuing God's purpose? 
See, it says that all things work, put that back up again. All things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. See, it's, I know that people use this as a passive verse, meaning that we just sit back and we just kind of, you know, surf the internet and we just kind of sit on the sofa and couch potato and hey, all things work for good. I don't see this as a passive verse. I see it as a proactive verse. I see it as if we'll pray, we'll keep our perspectives right, keep our affection right, that God will cause all things in our lives to work out for good. Now that isn't, like I said, doesn't mean that all things are good. I don't know if you ever thought about, how many of you here have ever made a cake? So I'm, I'm actually a cook. I'm a pretty good cook. My wife tells me that, but I think she says that because she doesn't want to cook and she wants me to cook. <laughs> See, I'm, I wasn't born yesterday. Right? But, but he, how many like cakes? Just for, just for this is, doesn't mean anything, but my favorite cake is white cake with white frosting. Just junk. I mean, just... <laughs> Shouldn't even eat it. It's just horrible. That's my favorite, okay? But he, just think about this for a second. Cakes are sweet and they're delicious, aren't they? But the ingredients are not all sweet and delicious. In fact, I had to ask my wife, because I don't know if I've ever made a cake. I said, What's, what are the ingredients in a cake? Flour is one. How many like to sit down with a bowl of flour and woof that baby down? It's like, ugh, that's horrible. Flour's one. How about a, a raw egg? A raw egg is in that cake. I mean, you ever seen that old Rocky movie? I like those Rocky movies. Where he cracks those eggs in that jar and he drinks them down. It's like drinking snot. You know, it's just... The... Ryan, uh, the woman was just up here, he said that for a year he was in Australia as a missionary. And he went, with a, he went to the Aborigines. And he said that they would, the, parent, the mothers, I, I, I'm, this will help you on your diet, okay? <laughs> he said the mothers take straws and they stick them up the kids' noses and they suck out. Yeah, sign me up, you know. Aren't you glad for those bulbs? Thank God for those bulbs, you know. But anyway, so... I don't know why I said that. Oh, eggs, eggs. That's why I said it. Eggs. Eggs by themselves aren't good. I mean, unless you cook it. Here's some other things. Oil. Baking soda. Oh, that's delightful tasting. Vanilla, salt, and of course, sugar. So each one of those, inc one of those incidents by itself is not good. They're, it's horrible. Flour's horrible. But when you mix it all together, my mom used to tell me, did your mom ever tell you this? Some of us older people, maybe we knew this, but you know, you, even when, before you bake it, you know, the, 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 um, the whatever, the, what do they call the ingredients? The batter, the batter. You know, you'd always want to taste it because it's saturated with sugar. How many ever done that? Taste that. You know, my mom used to tell me, don't, you'll get worms. <laughs> Do you guys ever hear that? 
don't, don't, don't touch it. Before it's cooked, you'll get worms. And I'm sure she said it just because she didn't want my little finger in there sucking it up. What I'm trying to say is that there are stuff that happen in our lives that are not good. This is not good. But what I'm saying is that God, if we pray, we keep our priorities right, God will work it out for good. It'll turn out for good. Amen. God will work together and make it good. You know, you think about this. You know, time really went fast today. Maybe it didn't go fast for you, but it went fast for me. Um, when you look at, when you think about the story of Joseph, because when I thought about this, because the story of Joseph to me is, is pretty encouraging because it's a beautiful example of how, of how evil, an evil, evil events can turn out for good. Because first of all, you know, if you've ever had like a, a revelation or a vision or whatever, or even a, a spiritual dream, you know how inspiring it is. You know, it can be really inspiring. It's like, wow, that's powerful. And, um, and so Joseph has these dreams where he sees, the, the interpretation of the dreams is everybody's bowing down to him. His mom and dad are bowing down to him. His brothers are bowing down to him. So he's excited. So he, may, he, he, he thinks that everybody else will be excited. Hey, guess what, guys? He gets all the guys together. Hey, guess, gets all his brothers together. Guess what? God showed me you're all going to bow down to me. Isn't that exciting? How many know they weren't excited? And then on top of it, his dad favored him and gave him this coat of many colors. So he's praying around like a peacock, you know, with that coat of many colors going, y'all going to bow down to me. Yeah. That is the last time anything went right in his life. Because first of all, his brothers, they, they didn't take a shine to him. And they didn't believe, they didn't see it like he saw it. So they grab him and throw him in a pit. And they were going to kill him. He's listening to this story. Let's kill the jerk. I hate him. Let's kill him. He's listening to this. Guys, you want another opinion there? You want to? And then they say, well, let's sell him. So they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And so then he's in Potiphar's house. He's a slave there, doing a good job. Then his wife, Potiphar's wife, takes a shine to him. Lies gets him thrown in prison. So he's going from pit to slavery. Now he's in prison. How many, how many can see that? I don't know how he kept sight of this, of this vision that he had. Because can you see that at this point, it looks like his life is going in the wrong direction. We are, I, I, I can imagine him saying to God, we are going the wrong way. I'm supposed to be a ruler. I'm not supposed to be in a dungeon. I'm not supposed to be a slave. We're, I'm supposed to be a ruler. And his life, each step of his life is going in the wrong direction. How many of you ever felt that way? Your life, my, my life's going in the wrong direction. Unless you steered it in the wrong direction. But I mean, I'm talking about circumstances. He didn't, he didn't necessarily, I guess you could blame him for telling everybody about his vision, but, but he didn't really steer. He, he, he was, these circumstances were out of his control. But they were all going in the wrong direction. But God was preparing him for what he had prepared for him. How many can see that? 
And in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, one, it's like it happened in one day. In one day, he went from the prison to the palace in one day. And then a few years later, I, I just wonder what he thought when his brothers came and he was second in command. It was his job to feed the people and sell them grain. And when he looked out, his brothers were all bowing before him. They didn't know it was him. I wonder what he thought. He thought, there it is. But how many years did it take for that to come to pass? It happened in the fullness of time. How many can see what I'm saying? And so here's what I want to say to you. And this is how, here's how Joseph concluded, or this is how Joseph summarized, or this is, the, this is the interpretation that Joseph had on the whole situation. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, it says, as for you, you meant evil against me. In other words, it was, you meant evil against me. It was evil what you did. It wasn't good. It was evil. What you did was evil. But God meant it for good. In other words, God made it good. He worked it out for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. See, God is on a mission not just to save you and bless you, but to save the human race. And God is preparing you for a place that only you can do, something that only you can do, something that only a function that only you can fulfill, the people that only you can reach. God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And so if we pray, commit ourselves to God and trust him, he will take every event in our lives and he'll turn it around for good. He'll make good out of it. He'll make good come out of it. Even evil events, even bad things, he'll make good come out of it. How many can see that? So here's the thing. Here's my last summary as the worship team comes. Are you guys still okay? Yeah. Quiet. Are you thinking about your life right now? So let's, let's all stand together as the worship team comes. I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. See, if you're a Christian here, you have the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask, as the worship team comes, I want you to just ask, close your eyes, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? Just say that to the Lord. You don't have to say it out loud, but just say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? Which, what, is the, what is the outtake of it? See, I don't know why Jesus, why it took him so long to come. I wonder about that. It says in the fullness of time or at the right time, at the right moment, Christ came. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under law. In the fullness of time, at the right time. In the Old Testament, God had prophesied the coming of Christ. And if you counted up all the different types of Christ in the sacrifices 
in their feasts and all, all, everything, it would probably amount to thousands of incidences all pointing to Christ. The stories, Mephibosheth, the story of Mephibosheth is a picture of Christ coming. I mean, you could just go through one after the other. Even the story of Joseph is a picture of Christ. Joseph is a picture of Christ. And so you could, if you counted them all up, there'd be thousands of prophecies, stories, references to Christ. And you wonder, what, what, what was it that God, why did he wait? Why was it in the fullness of time? And I think it was our preparedness. He didn't want us to miss it. And I think sometimes that what God is doing in our lives is there's something that he doesn't want us to miss. There's something he doesn't want us to miss. And so we say, why is it delayed? When God when or why God why or how God how? And sometimes the reason is preparedness. It's like God says, I don't want to lose you. What we have together as a relationship is more important. Our relationship is more important than what you can do for me. And I really believe that's true. So let's sing this song. You have a song we could sing?
Praise God. Praise God. You know, I was thinking about this, what we're talking about here. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about testings, the testing of our faith. How many of you have felt that, God, uh, that the testing of your faith? How many of you have felt that? I have too. And, you know, it's, it says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. The test is not to keep you from the promise. The test is to make sure you can stand when, in that place where you receive the promise. It's like the children of Israel. God led them away from battle, even though they were equipped for battle, until he knew they could stand the test. And when I was thinking about that, I, um, I thought of a story, and I don't know why this came to me, but my grandpa, we, I used to go fishing with him, and he used to, he'd have these strip-on minnows. I, I, God, I remember strip-ons where you, you put the wire down the minnow's mouth, and it comes out the buttocks of the minnow, and then you put a treble hook on, then it has a spinner on the front, front. Then you, he'd tr- put a lot of sinkers on. He'd troll real fast. This is my grandpa. And then when he would catch a fish, he would, you'd never seen somebody set a hook like he set a hook. He would go wham, and then he would reach up halfway up the pole, and he wham again. He'd set the hook twice. And so I don't know if he ever lost a fish once it, it, once it made it through those two wham, wham, if it made it, if it's on now, he, I don't think he ever lost the fish. I mean, he lost some, but that. And I just wonder sometimes that that's a picture of testings. God wants to know if you're really hooked. And so this and this, I'm still on, Lord. I'm not letting go. I don't understand. Because there's a lot of things I don't understand. I go, why God, why, when God, when, how God, how. I don't understand, but Lord, I want you to know I'm still hooked. And I'll follow after. And I will not turn back. And I'll pursue you and I'll serve you and, and there's no turning back. How many can see that? And that's what God is after. So, did you guys, I don't know, was that uplifting or is that like, what was that? My God. But I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. So if the prayer counselors could come forward, if you have a prayer need, maybe you just need God to help you understand. Or you just need somebody to agree with you about something. I want to give you the opportunity to, to be prayed for. Just remember that there's always a fullness of time when the promise is fulfilled. And it's not... Some people say, well, it's up to God. I don't know if it's always up to God. I think it's how we respond. I really think so. God prepares us. But if you have a need, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, please, as soon as I dismiss, come forward. And we have some good fellowship out there. We want to invite you to, I don't know if there's anything out there. I guess there's something out there. It's hidden somewhere. It's kind of a scavenger hunt, huh? Always something out there somewhere. There's nothing served, just go through the refrigerator and the freezer. But it's really been great being with you today. I hope you receive something from the Lord. 
And, uh, and I really pray, I hope you have a great week because God really loves you and you're very special, important to him. Amen. So God bless you all. You're free to go. But if you need prayer, please come forward. God bless.